Thank you, Pastor. And uh, this pulpit was not made for short people. <laughs> Congratulations, all of you graduates. Man, I look at these right on the front seat, and they are the cream of the crop. And the, uh, man, you do it all, Noah. Piano, all the scholarships. You didn't have a lot of competition, did you? <laughs> but that's great. And I uh, appreciate all of you. Uh, graduation is a big deal, okay? Uh, it, it doesn't matter whether uh, someone is graduating from kindergarten. Several years ago at uh, Tennessee Temple, uh, we were members there at uh, Highland Park Baptist Church, and so we went to the kindergarten graduation. It's just the kindergarten. And I met one of my good friends there. He was from the Northwest. And uh, he said, well, I had some business in this area, and uh, I just happened to be here. And I said to him, stop lying. Your granddaughter is graduating from kindergarten. <laughs> That's a big deal, amen? So you, you don't have to make up an excuse for driving all the way from Minnesota uh, to be here for the graduation. It, it's, a, it's a big deal, is it not? For instance, these kindergarten graduates, they're taking a step up next year, and they'll be first graders in the elementary school. That's a big step, okay? Uh, I think somebody's graduating from the eighth grade, and that's a real big step. They'll be going up to high school. Uh, I was from a little bitty town in Mannington, Kentucky. I rode the bus to school in Nortonville after I got into high school. And in Mannington, we did not have one two-story building. And when I went to high school, I thought, this is the biggest building in the world. It wasn't very big, okay? If you saw it, you, 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 but uh, it, was, it was big to me. But I graduated from the eighth grade. Now I'm in, in, in high school. And then uh, when you graduate from high school, uh, then you're going to college. And that is a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, it's a, it's a big difference from high school to college. And after four years of college, who knows? It may be a master's degree. It, it may be a doctor's degree. You know, on and on and on. But the bottom line is uh, graduation is a big deal. And uh, uh, I've always despised long funerals, long weddings, and long speakers at graduation. But don't clap. Tonight's going to be an exception, okay? <laughs> but uh, congratulations, all of you graduates. Whatever you're graduating from, congratulations. Uh, this is a big step for you. Uh, open your Bibles to James chapter 4, the book of James, 
chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading tonight at verse 13. James 4, 13. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's pray tonight. Dear Lord, I thank you for the graduates. I thank you for the mothers and dads and grandparents and friends that have come to witness this, that for all of the rewards that were passed, awards that were passed out tonight. Uh, thank you for the people that have worked very diligently in order to receive one of these awards. And I, I pray that each of them will use what they have learned and what they have accomplished in order to get an award to your honor and your glory. And I, I pray, dear Lord, you'll bless our time together tonight. Lord, we love you. You're a wonderful God. We, we've sung the songs tonight. We, we thought about how great you are. Uh, we, we thought about what you've done for us. And uh, uh, all of us could say tonight, if we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And Lord, I, I come tonight and I thank you for your marvelous grace, giving to us that which we did not deserve. And thank you, dear Lord, for your mercy, keeping from us that which we deserve. Now, Lord, bless our time together tonight, and we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let me ask the graduates, kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, and then uh, you that are listening in, uh, you, you might like to think about this too. The question number one is this. What are your plans for the future? What are your plans for the future? Uh, you say, well, I don't make any plans, and you plan to fail. To fail to plan is to plan to fail. Uh, we ought to make plans. Plans are good. But the second question is this. Have you talked to God about your plan? See, the people that James talked about here... Uh, they did not talk to God about their plan. Now, they made some plans. Uh, uh, look at it again. Go to now. You that say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. That, that was their plan. Uh, we're going to a certain city. And uh, over there, we can get a good job and we can make money and so on and so forth. 
And, and that's what we're going to do. But they didn't talk to God about that. I think we have in the world today a lot of practical atheists. Uh, now, they don't get on a platform and say there is no God. In fact, they would argue that there is a God. But they live their life as if there was no God. So in reality, they're practical atheists. The fool has said in his heart, no God. When we say no to God, when we do not consult God. So the question, do you have some plans? Plans are good. I've listened to some of the plans of these students. And, and they're, they're good. But the, the bottom line is they need to consult God about their plans. Look at verse 14. The question. Whereas you know not what shall be on tomorrow. For what is your life? Let's consider that for just a few minutes tonight. What is your life? Whether you're from kindergarten or eighth grade or high school or wherever you're at. Question. What is your life? Number one, it is short. It is short. Uh, I just, and I don't think the word celebrate is the right word for mine, but I just had my 89th birthday. Uh, wasn't a big celebration, amen? <laughs> All right. And, uh, but life is short. Back in the office today, someone asked me, Brother Sis, do you remember when you graduated from high school? And by the way, those are things you, you never forget. Unless you have Alzheimer's. Then you forget everything, amen? <laughs> but uh, some things, you, and I said, oh yeah, I remember it real well. <clears throat> 1951, back in the dark ages. It was very dark for most of you. You hadn't been born yet. But 1951, I, I remember. And you say, well, you've lived a long time, but it's short. I had the opportunity to uh, interview my mother-in-law on radio when she was 100 years old. We had a big celebration in Nortonville, Kentucky for Mrs. Pearlie Carlton, 100 years old, my mother-in-law. And uh, we were talking about different things. And of course, she, she said, I remember the first time I saw a car. And my mother said, don't ever think about getting in one of those things. They can go up to 20 miles an hour. <laughs> but she could remember the first time she ever heard a radio or the first time she ever talked on a telephone and all those things. And then she said to me, she said to Don, I, I just don't feel like I'm a hundred. And I said, well, Nanny, 
Uh, you don't have a lot of people to ask how you're supposed to feel when you're 100, do you? We took her to the doctor one day after she was more than 100 years old. And, and she said to Dr. Taylor, Dr. Taylor, is there anything that I'm eating that I shouldn't be eating or anything I'm not eating that I should be eating? And Dr. Taylor said, Miss Carlton, whatever you're eating, just keep doing it. Amen. <laughs> but you think about it. She said, I'm, I'm 100 years old, but I don't feel like I'm a Life is short. Look at it, what it said. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It's just a gas that lasts for just a few seconds. You say a hundred years? In comparison to eternity, a hundred years is nothing. So what is your life? It's short. It's short. By the way, she lived to be 106 years old. So I tell young men everywhere, be careful how you choose your mother-in-law. <laughs> they last a long time, amen? <laughs> By the way, she was a good mother-in-law, okay? I was her favorite son-in-law. She had five of them, but the others were no good. And I, I remember when we had that 100th anniversary, she said, now, Don, when I pass, I want you to do my funeral. And I, and I did when she was 106 years old. There were 119 descendants at the funeral. But she said, I don't feel like I'm 100. Life is short. It's even as a vapor. It appears just for a minute, and then it's all gone. By the way, it's a time of preparation. Life is the time to get ready for eternity. We only have one life. And the Bible says very plainly, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment. So it is in this lifetime, even though it's short, it is in this lifetime when we need to make sure that we are prepared for eternity. And by the way, we are not prepared to die, live until we are prepared to die. Are you, regardless of your age, are you prepared to die? If you should die today, are you sure that you're saved and going to heaven? I love Romans 6, 23. In that verse, the Bible says this. The wages of sin is death. By the way, that's what I deserve. And death here means eternal separation from God in a place called hell. The wages of sin is death. That's what I deserve. And every once in a while I hear some dummy make a statement like this. All I want is what I deserve. No, you don't. If you got what you deserve, and if I got what I deserved, we'd spend eternity in a devil's hell. 
the wages of sin is death. But listen to the rest of that verse. But, good news, the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God. In other words, God is saying, I want to give you something. And that something is eternal life. And that eternal life is in Jesus Christ. So the question tonight, are you prepared to die? Do you know for sure you're saved and going to heaven? You say, well, nobody can know that. I've heard bad people say that all my life. Nobody can know whether they're saved and going to heaven or not. When my wife had double knee replacement, I went to the uh, rehab center to visit her every day and spend some hours with her. And uh, one day when I went in, they had a new receptionist, and I was just not worried about stopping at the receptionist. I was just going on in, and, and she said to me, Sir, do you know where you're going? I said, yeah, I know exactly where my wife is. And then I said, and by the way, I know where I'm going when I die. And she said, oh, nobody can know that. And I said, do you believe the Bible? Now, we were in Tennessee, okay. Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. Everybody in Tennessee believes the Bible, and most of them don't have any idea what's in the Bible, okay. Now, I've often tell them what the Bible belt needs is to be belted with the Bible, Amen. And I said, you believe the Bible? Oh, yeah, I believe the Bible. So I took my New Testament and I read to 1 John 5, 13. These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. You know what she said? I can't buy that. I said, you're right. It's not for sale. It's a free gift from God. Amen. Do you know you're saved and going to heaven? You better do that tonight. Life is short. You say, well, I'm going to someday. You may not have a someday. He that being oft reproved and hardened at the next shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. Number two, life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Now, these are, we're going into a certain city. We're going to stay there a year. We're going to buy and sell. We're going to get gain. But notice what he said, verse 14. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. You're saying what you're going to do for a year, but you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And by the way, we don't. Life is short and life is unpredictable. One of my favorite books is the book of Esther. It just about didn't make the canon of the Bible because the name God is not in it, but God is all over it. And uh, not long ago, I went to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I saw the, at sight and sound, the play, the book of Esther. One of my favorite scenes was this. You think about it. One day, Mordecai was condemned to die. Haman built some gallows for him to be hung on. He'd already had permission from the king to kill Mordecai. That looked 
very dim for Mordecai that day. But that night, just before he was going to be killed, hung, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Ahasuerus had a dream. He, 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 he couldn't sleep. So he got the history book. By the way, that'll put you to sleep, amen? <laughs> he, he couldn't. So he, he's reading the history, and then he, he reads about Mordecai. And Mordecai saved his life. There were some people who were going to kill the Ahasuerus. He's going to kill him. And, and Mordecai found out about it and, and, and told Esther. And Esther told the king. And his life was saved. And, and he got to thinking, what have we done for this man, Mordecai? Nothing. And uh, oh, Haman, he was in the temple that day. And the king said, anybody around here, uh, bring him in. Oh, yeah, here, here's Haman. Uh, Haman was a great enemy of the Jewish people, particularly of Mordecai. He said, bring him up here. And uh, here's my favorite scene, the whole thing. And the king said, what shall we do for the person that the king would more, want to honor more than anybody else? And old Haman, thinking, who would the king want to honor more than anybody else? Why, that has to be me. And so he said, here's what you ought to do, king. Uh, let him ride your horse. Put on your clothing. and let, let him have a parade. Let everybody bow down and worship him. And uh, the king said, okay, Haman, go get Mordecai and do that for him. And guess what? The next day, Instead of Mordecai hanging on the gallows, Haman was hanging on the gallows. And Mordecai was the prime minister of that great empire. Hey, life is unpredictable. Let me give you a good phrase. Don't get too high when things are going good. Now rejoice in it, but don't, don't get too high when things are going good. And don't get too low when things are going bad. Life is unpredictable. And then in closing, and don't get too excited, okay? You ladies have had your shoes off. Don't put them back on yet, okay? But the last thing is this. Life is a gift from God. If you have your Bibles or your iPad or your iPod or whatever you have, might, might look up the verse in Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm going to read it in just a minute. If you want to find it, well, I'm good. If you don't want to, that's all right, too. Jeremiah chapter 1. One and, and verse four. Now, now, God is preparing Jeremiah because going, Jeremiah is going to serve as the main prophet to Israel uh, during the reign of four different kings and all the way into the Babylonian captivity. And God's preparing him. 
And listen to what God said to Jeremiah. And I believe he's saying that to every one of us here tonight. Here it is. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest out of the womb, I knew thee. I'm sorry, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I have ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now listen very carefully what God is saying to Jeremiah. And I believe that God is saying that to every one of you tonight, every one of you, and all of you, and all of you back here. Listen, number one, God's saying, I formed you. I formed, before I formed thee in the belly, you are not an accident. Now, I don't know when you were conceived, but you were not an accident. Uh, this has been a blessing to me. I don't think one night my mom and dad said, you know, we only have nine children. We really need one more. I don't think they planned for me, okay? But I wasn't an accident. And neither are you. Listen, I formed you. That means God made you. God made you. It doesn't matter who you are. God made you. By the way, that tells us where life begins. Before I formed thee in the belly, life begins at conception. And abortion at any time after that is totally wrong. Before I formed thee, God said, I formed you, I formed you, I formed you, I formed you. I'm, hey, by the way, he made you what he wanted you to be. A little boy in California got suspended the other day for quoting a Bible verse. They were talking about all the different genders and so forth. The 10-year-old boy, he said to his teacher, teacher, could I just quote one Bible verse? Well, go ahead if you want to. Okay, here it is. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And then the little boy said, according to my Bible, there's only two genders. And they suspended him from school. Huh? Hey, God made you. And guess what? God made you what he wanted you to be. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God not only made you, but he knows you. Every once in a while, you know, God speaks to our heart about doing something. Uh, like, but Noah is going to a college in a few weeks. All these other kindergarten kids, they'll one day be making decisions like that and so forth. And God is saying, I know you. 
And I, I do not doubt that now some people sitting out in the congregation tonight and God is speaking to your heart about something you need to do or something you need to quit doing. And in your own mind, you're thinking, I can't do that. And you argue with God. You're going to lose. God knows you better than you know yourself. Huh? God knows more about you than you know about yourself. Unless you're totally bald, and some of you are pretty close, then you don't know how many hairs are in your head, but God knows. God knows all about you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're thinking. You know, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew that. Before that came inside the womb, I sanctified thee. I set you apart. Think about this. God is saying, you are unique. You are unique. There's nobody in the world quite like you. You think about it. The person sitting next to you, there is nobody in the world exactly like them. Now, some of you said, thank God for that. One's enough. Amen. But you are unique. You're different from anybody else. God didn't make one man say, hey, I like that. Just make a bunch of those. No, 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 no. Every human being is unique. And there are no unimportant, there are no un insignificant people. Everybody is precious in the eyes of God. And then he said, I've ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. You say, okay, that's where it breaks down. You're wrong. Now, I'm not a prophet. God did not ordain me a prophet to the nation. But I believe what God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have a purpose for you. And it doesn't matter who you are tonight. Keep in mind, God has a purpose for you. What is your life? It's a gift from God. What is your life is short. What is your life? It's unpredictable. Rather than saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and never thinking about God, the best thing we can do is get along with God and be sure that our plans in the hands of God, and that we're not living our life as if there was no God, but day by day by day, we're submitting ourselves to God. Life is a gift from God. Young people, let me beg you. Don't ruin your life. I've seen so many teenagers literally ruin their life. Don't ruin your life. By the way, don't just use your life It's a gift from God. One day you're going to stand before God and give an account for what you've done in this life. So don't just use your life. But could I challenge you tonight? And could I challenge every one of you? Invest your life in the work of God. Invest your life 
And oh, you say, God's not called me to preach. God's not called me. Doesn't make any difference. Whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. I got saved when I was 16 years old. I got married when I was 19 years old. You say, that's too young. I know. But it worked out. We married 65 years before she went to heaven. If she had lived till June the 7th this year, we'd have been married 70 years. I was called to preach when I was 21 years old. I've been in the ministry for all of those years since then. 68 years. Now I look back over 68 years, and there's been some very difficult times. Pastoring in Kentucky, associate pastor in Illinois, time in Japan, on and on and on. But as I look back over my life, and I can honestly say tonight, if I had it to do all over again, I'd do it. Huh? No regrets. No regrets. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What is your life? It's short. What is your life? It's unpredictable. What is your life? It's a gift from God. Pastor.